2: So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This
1: episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by Hope, the will to stay alive, the will to fight, the will to get the Game 7, Blue Apron, Squarespace, Stamps.com and all other podcast sponsors who don't pay us, but mostly the will to fight and the will to get there and the will to beat the sins and fight and grit and grittiness let's go Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to a do-or-die, possibly-last episode of the season. Episode of Bushwick Breakaway. Greg, say hello.
0: Salutations.
1: This could be it uh, for us. This could be the last time we have a real meaningful game to talk about. I There's a lot I want to go touch on today. I mean, we're definitely going to get to AV. I have a new segment I want to reveal called Really. Uh, I want to talk about Jimmy VC being a man. But I think the the thing to talk about first before because you know' we're, we're definitely going to talk about a v that's what we do uh, that's what this podcast is about how are you feeling about this team right now other than the coaching decisions
0: um, that's an interesting question I don't really know if I'm feeling anything in particular about said team hmm. the team is the team's kind of i think I mean, I guess there are some individual performances from players I expected more from, but nothing I'm necessarily incredibly alarmed about. J.T. Miller has been better on the fourth line than he had been playing a, this entire postseason. I agree. Chris Kreider may not be scoring, but he's still creating opportunities with his speed. Uh, Zibanejad and Zuccarello have been fantastic. Oscar Lindbergh seems like he's taking a step. Um, Shea and Smith have been phenomenal. McDonough has been his outstanding self. The players I would expect to struggle are struggling. Henrik Lundqvist has stepped up his game. I mean, like if you go down the roster, I don't know if there's a player that is not meeting the expectations I had for them. And that includes someone like Mark Stahl, who is meeting my expectations as in
1: he's a dumpster fire. (laughs) Being a human piece of garbage?
0: Yeah. So how am I feeling about the Rangers as a team? I don't think I'm feeling any differently today as I was at the end of game five or even the end of the regular season. Everyone's kind of doing what I expected them to do. What I was hoping for was a head coach smart enough to properly deploy his players and maximize the potential and performance of each individual player. And, You know, that is what's lacking this postseason.
1: I did not want to get straight into A.V., uh, and we will go there immediately after this thought. But I do want to touch on on one of the other hot topics of of the series, actually, is Tanner Glass. So, two things. Just get this right out of the way. Tanner Glass is practicing today, and Butch is switching off with him. So there's a chance A.V. might go back to Butch and But we both know that's not going to happen, right?
0: It's not going to happen.
1: Okay, great. So now that we got that out of the way, I want to say that Tanner Glass played one of the best games he's ever played. I don't have a problem with Tanner Glass. I actually love what Tanner Glass has provided for this team. There was actually a particular play, I think, where Tanner Glass slowly moved behind the net and stole a puck. Just hipped himself into the puck. And there was a time where Tanner Glass carried the puck into the zone and looked like he was a competent hockey player. I have no problems with Tanner Glass at all. He played out of his mind for his skill level. And obviously, he shouldn't have been out there on the ice at the end. And We're going to get to that right now. Uh, but I wanted to give him his kudos, while I could do that, because after this, there's no, there's nothing else nice I can say. Is that true?
0: Tanner Glass played maybe, arguably the best game of his career, career. in Game Four. I don't, I don't know if, I don't necessarily know if Tanner Glass had a good game in Game Five. I it, think he had. He wasn't an average game. Yeah, he wasn't
1: like amazing. He wasn't,
0: but he was good. He wasn't a net, he wasn't a net negative. No. But the Rangers would have, the Rangers could have been better off with a more highly skilled player yes. on the ice. And, you know, it's one of those things where, look, the craziest part about Tanner Glass is it forced Guy Boucher to make just an abhorrent decision that's so weird. by putting in a player that is not an NHL player into his lineup. Like, that's the most amazing part about Tanner Glass is he forced – or he put Guy Boucher in a position where Guy Boucher thought he needed Chris Neal in the lineup. As soon as Chris Neal was announced in the lineup, AV should have put Butchnevich in there and just have his fourth line and skate it. circles around Chris Neal.
1: Yeah, why not? Buchnevich would never get caught by, by Chris Neal. And Chris Neal was, was you know, they, no. they won the game, so I can't really talk shit. But, you know, he was dumb enough to retaliate on a penalty from Tanner to, to, to not make, him a, make Be- him a power play. It was a really crucial play in the game.
0: The 10-minute misconduct that Chris Neal got is, without question, the dumbest penalty I've ever seen taken in an NHL game. It Was at a point in the game where the last thing the Senators could afford? The the Senators were about to go on a power play. Instead of going on a power play, they got put on a 4-on-4 situation and had to play with a short bench for basically the entire second period. And the craziest part is, I think – the senator's coaching staff was happy with that. Like I, I it, it boggled my mind to see it happen, and then it boggled my mind to see people justify why it happened. It was so stupid. I just—they were down a goal at that point. They were about to go on a power play. And instead of going on the power play, their player takes in essence a twelve-minute penalty. I just to show toughness. Unreal for what? <laughs> Unreal.
1: Like I said, they won. So, like, what can I say? But if. If they didn't win, that would be uh that he he got away with that one. We'll say that he really did. Because if they didn't win, that was gonna be something that guy would never hear the end of. Right?
0: I, I mean, he shouldn't hear the end of it now.
1: No, he shouldn't. It, I I I don't know if he, they're gonna play him again. I haven't really read up on Chris Neal rumors. Uh, but I would assume he would be out of the lineup next game. That would just be the smart move. But who knows?
0: My assumption. My assumption is he's gonna be in the lineup as long as Glass is in the lineup. That doesn't make sense.
1: I don't. Hockey doesn't make sense to me sometimes Greg. It just doesn't why as a coach are you trying to provide this grit that just doesn't it's just not necessary at this point. I need skill to win, not grit. Like I get why For whatever
0: reason Go on, sorry. For whatever reason I can't understand. It seems as though the NHL isn't just adverse to um sabermetrics and you know, statistical analysis. They seem there are people within the hockey community that seem downright offended by it. And I know every sport that it takes a while. begins to accept sabermetrics in some way, shape, or form, there's pushback. I mean, there's pushback from Moneyball. There's pushback in the NFL. There's pushback in the NBA. But there is a alarmingly high percentage of hockey fans, hockey writers, and hockey executives that straight up dismiss statistical analysis and call it like blasphemy and it I it doesn't make any sense it I'm not like look it's just a simple fact that there are better utilizations to an NHL lineup than including Tanner Glass and at the same time I also recognize that when I say that there are things that Tanner Glass brings to the ice that a Pavel Bucnevich does not the difference being is Bucinevich brings more. Positives than tanner glass he's a better skater he's a better player he's a better winger he's the only thing he's not better than 100 he's not a better fighter yeah he's not a better fighter and but like you can't engage some people in the hockey in the hockey world with discussions of advanced metrics you can't do it they turtle up they call you a nerd they say that's not how the game let's, is played. The game's not played on a sheet of paper. It's played on a sheet of ice.
1: Let's be fair. Nerds it's, suck, Greg. Like, they suck. Like, who who likes nerds? No, but
0: it, it's just... <laughs> I'm it, kidding. We're both nerds. More so than any other sport. I mean, look, there are conversations I remember having with my dad after I finished reading Moneyball. And he was just like, look, you know, you can just... Sometimes the eye test is just more important. Yada, yada. And my dad, bless his heart, is still not exactly... One with, WAR or FIP or OPS plus or WRC plus or fielding, you know, UZR. He has no idea what those letters mean. Yeah, possession. But he at least, he at least recognizes that there is a component to understanding the game that goes beyond batting average, home runs, and RBI. And I look. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't think it took that long for people to be accepting of that. Maybe it did, and I just ignored it.
1: I think it did.
0: But it's, it's, it's 2017, and people are still saying grit is an important factor in building a hockey team, and it's it, just it is not, not true.
1: But I will point out, Tanner did provide something for that team that it was kind of missing those two games at home in MSG, and I don't know if it was Tanner. Uh, or if it was, it was just the team decided they were going to be play better at home. But Tanner, like when he was on the ice, you could tell like the guys were were rallying around him. And I know we just I you just gave me a wonderful speech on stats, and and why that's important. But just watching Tanner on the ice, like this, when he was making those hits, he was making guys nervous. Now now is that comparable at all to what Brusnevich would bring to this team? Probably not. And you know I'm a am a sabermetrics guy, so it's kind of hard for me to fight the other side and play devil's advocate here. But I do think there was some value on the side of bringing Tanner Glass back, uh, back up to this lineup. Now, was Puchnevich the right person to take out? Maybe not. It might have been someone else, more like Kevin Hayes or someone else who was not performing that way. But that would never happen because we all know that A.V. protects his veterans. And we're going to get to that, obviously, in a couple minutes here. But, but what you said with the sabermetrics, metrics, especially with baseball. Baseball has better sabermetrics metrics than hockey. We can agree on that, right?
0: I think they're easier to understand. I don't necessarily know if they're better.
1: I think hockey is I think – There's such a large sample size of baseball, and everything can be broken down to the one moment. Where in hockey, it's just kind of constant almost chaos, like beautiful chaos. So it's a lot harder to track and actually get meaningful statistics out of it is what I'm saying. Even though Dan Girardi has the one of the worst possession <laughs> statistics out there um, – you know, we know that he does provide some things that have been beneficial to us. Now are they more beneficial than what say Shea could do in the last 5 minutes of the game? No. Not at all. I don't think so at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I again, I'd stop short of saying that baseball metrics are better. I just as I just think they're easier to understand. I think it's easier to process um like, like a wins over replacement. range statistics. Well, it's just like it's easier to quantify like range for a fielder. Or fielding independent pitching, which is specifically a pitcher's ability to do three true outcomes and better to understand like it's easier to, I mean, obviously if you're if a guy hits two fifty with a four hundred slugging percentage, it's better than a guy hitting two seventy with a three twenty five right. slugging percentage. Like That's those are That's just math. Those are simple numbers that you can quantify easily. With hockey, you know, like you said, there's so much ebb and flow in a game that it's it is incredibly hard to pinpoint one player's impact when there are nine other guys on the ice.
1: Agree. I want to talk about it.
0: It's hard to quantify. It is. But but that doesn't mean it's unquantifiable. That is true. And we're going to get better at this time.
1: You know, hockey's going to become more statistically driven.
0: And just because it's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And I honestly think that there's a sect of the hockey world, a significant one, that just sees advanced metrics as hard and they don't want to do it so they don't
1: well you know what's going to be a good test for this and, and this is not the podcast to get into this this is definitely a summer topic topic did i just become from massachusetts for a second um summer topic arizona is going to be a really good test at sabermetrics and hockey that guy who's a 26 year old gm is only going to use math to run that team that's it so if that team starts you know they're in the middle of the desert they're not they don't know they don't have any fans or anything like that they can afford to tank and and try and use sabermetrics to get all the advantages they they want out there. So that that'll be a good test for a saber ho- a saber hockey. Yeah, it's saber hockey. Sabermetrics in hockey can't even speak. Pugh. All right, this is what I want to talk about next. The theme of this game for me was sort of a whiffed puck. Kreider whiffed a puck in front of the net that was absolutely miserable. He's still snake bitten in my eyes, but there was a couple other whiffed pucks throughout the entire game. I don't know if it's the Rangers were losing concentration. But all those whiff pucks led to turnovers and breakaways for the Ottawa Senators, which led to uh, a very serious puck luck against the team. Of, of the five goals the Ottawa Senators scored against us, I would say four were absolute horseshit, if I'm being honest.
2: Um,
1: except for the Erickson setup goal, which was uh, an absolute beautiful goal uh, that I can't I can't hate on at all. Everything else kind of slowly trickled in it, or went through Hendricks' legs on like a, a weird ricochet. Do you think that without that puck luck, you know, I guess the question here is Did the Ottawa Senators get a lot of puck luck against us? And are we still the sub- the highly superior team going forward? Or is that just the way they're going to win the game against us? Or are we just not disciplined enough?
0: The Ottawa Senators took advantage of situations where, look, simple fact the Ottawa Senators put out their. They smelled blood when either Dan Girardi or Mark Stahl was on the ice. They did. They made sure their best skaters were on the ice whenever the Rangers had a ill equipped defender on the ice. And I I believe uh in Greg Wachinski's article this week, I think it's Girardi and Stahl have been on the ice for thirteen of the fifteen Senators goals. That is correct. And never have Girardi and Stahl been on the ice at the same time for a single goal. So that means that the pairing Girardi with whoever and saw with whoever, have been on the ice for something like 87% of the goals the Rangers have allowed. He At some point, he, that's not a coincidence.
1: It's not. I,
0: it's not a coincidence.
1: And, and, and Smith-Shea continues not to get the time they deserve. And he also mentioned that their, Shay, the Rangers' offense goes down significantly when Girardi's on the ice because of his puck possession
0: movement. Right, because they can't, they can't move the puck and they're right. slow. Yes. And look, regardless of what you feel Brady-Shea May have to learn as just a stay-at-home defenseman right now. Whatever Shea, Brady Shea brings to the table is just straight up better dude's a beast. than what Mark Stahl offers. Like, there's nothing Mark beast. Stahl does. There's nothing Mark Stahl does that is unequivocally better than Brady Shea. He may do something as well, and I have no idea what that thing might be. <laughs> but grit, it is grit, grit, without grit. a doubt a fact that Mark Stahl does not do anything better than Brady Shea. So to have your coach say we need to lean on veteran experience, veteran experience doesn't buy you shit in the playoffs. All that matters is playing the best players you have available. So to bench Brady Shea for the final five minutes against Ottawa, after you made that fatal flaw in game two that cost you game two, You're not going to learn because you haven't learned.
1: Let me and if you haven't
0: learned now, you're not going to learn ever. No,
1: let me take you through my mindset of what happened there. I knew what was going to happen. I knew they were going to pull the goalie. We were up by a game. Jimmy VC, actually, let's talk about this real quick. Jimmy VC was a man possessed for two shifts in that in that third period. He did everything in his Uh, power to make sure that goal was scored. Go on, Greg. Go
0: on. I'd go one step further. Jimmy VC had a hell of a game. He
1: killed it. I'm I'm very excited for this future of this team between Shea and VC. Like, I'm pumped to have both those guys on this team. Now, now, I knew as soon as he scored, we were going to be in for a tough one. Anything that's 6v5 and it's one goal, I'm always very nervous because we're the worst at defending it. I saw the line that was on uh, when we were first defending it, and, and uh, Craig Anderson had not left the goal. It was McDonough Girardi, I think Nash was on, and someone else. And I was like, all right, I could deal with this line. Then they switched because they got it clear. And I was like, okay, now we're going to bring in Shea and Smith. And we'll probably put Steph on with Zuccarello and maybe Grabner. And I thought that was like a nice five. That sounds like a nice five, right? Like, I think that's good. (laughs) Um, And then I saw Tanner Glass and Mark Stahl come off the bench. And I was like, wait. I was like, I saw Smith first. I was like, wait, Smith's on. Yes, Smith is on. And then I was like, where's Shea? And then I saw Mark Stahl. And then I saw Tanner Glass. And I saw the Ottawa Senators saw that exactly. And they rushed that side of the ice where they were. Stepan is on the other side of the ice not doing anything. They rushed the side. They rushed the net. And the puck has to hit not only – it gets hit out of the air, hits Henry Lukas twice, hits another player, and then hits the back of Smith's skate to go in. Everything perfect had to happen there, and it did. So I don't know if that's bad luck. But I can't have Tanner Glass and Mark Stahl on the ice at the same time when I'm trying to, when I'm trying to go up in a, a series to go 3-2 to go back home. That doesn't make any sense. And now we're going to get to the AV talk. Go ahead, Greg.
0: Well, look, if you're the Rangers and you know you're about to get into a situation where you're going to be in an empty net situation, and this comes down to the coaching staff to know what lines to deploy. It, it's not – once the players are dispatched onto the ice, yet. They have a responsibility to do what they can, but it is the coach's job first and foremost to make sure the right players are on the ice. And if you're on a six on five situation, you need to make sure first one, one of Rick Nash or Jesper Foss is on the ice. You need to make sure Michael Grabner is on the ice as another winger. Uh, probably Mika Zubanajad at center and one of his lines on the ice.
1: Yeah.
0: I guess you could say Kevin Hayes. He's a decent. He plays uh, big kill. body to yeah. center.
1: Like, th- those are all guys. You just named a bunch of guys that were able to do this job.
0: Yeah. And you have to make sure that, look, whatever we think about Dan Girardi, if Dan Girardi being on the ice means Ryan McDonough is on the ice, fine. I'm okay. That's a pill I swallow. But if you're going to put a second defending pairing on the ice, Mark Stahl hasn't done anything this entire playoff.
1: Okay, go to your head.
0: You have to play Smith and Shed. Go
1: to your head, Holden or Stahl. Holden. Yeah, I know. I think so too. I think
0: so too. Honestly, the more I see the more I see Mark Stahl, the more I think Nick Holden. First of all, Nick Holden might be a winger. Like we might have just been <laughs> positioning him incorrectly to start with. <laughs> that was Second, it.
2: That's why he can't play more, defense.
0: The more I see the more I see Mark Stahl on the ice, the more I kind of talk myself into thinking Maybe Nick Holden's just trying to do too much to try and protect mark Stahl maybe maybe that's why Nick Holden struggles because he has to he thinks he has to play for two, and maybe that is why he's struggling because he's trying to play for two
1: i mean uh, whatever
0: mark whatever Mark Stahl did five years ago is good, great, and grand. He was a wonderful all star caliber defender in his prime. What he is now is not that. he's an oft injured defender who's lost speed due to injury, he suffered a concussion this year that sapped whatever remaining energy he had left. He's, simply put, not the guy the Rangers – he's not the guy he was when the Rangers signed him to a long-term deal. And that is not Mark, Starr, Mark Stahl's fault. No, Mark not. Stahl threw his body on the line for some really talented Rangers teams to try and get them deep into the playoffs. And he did, by the that way. That is – and he did. And you know what Mark Stahl is right now? If you're going to play him, he's got to be on your third pairing. And if you're going to be in crunch time, he can't be on the ice.
1: And that's not going to change, by the way. That's not going to get any better. No.
0: No, A.V. AV said – A.V. went as far to say that he's going to continue to lean on Stahl. And if he's going to continue to lean on Stahl, even if we win game six, simply put, if the Rangers are going to continue to lean on Mark Stahl, their ceiling for potential in these postseasons is limited. They will not beat the Penguins. They will not win a cup. If Mark Stahl is going to continue to get significant ice time in the last five minute of hockey games in a one run, in a one goal game, which the Rangers are traditionally playing, they will not make a deep postseason run. This, this, this might be the last game the Rangers played this season.
3: This, and
0: the, the articles I've read that are like, well, the players need to step up. They are. Mark Stahl is doing everything he possibly can. The Rangers, I am sure, are getting everything out of Mark Stahl that they can. So at some point in time, you just can't have him on the ice.
1: But what if you could
0: have a
1: very young, budding defenseman? (laughs) Like, what if you could have this wonderful, probably the best top three skater on the Rangers? Can we say that? Is British a top three skater? I I don't know. Uh, all right. But I
0: then- don't know. I mean, he's he's easily... him. And, I mean, we're just like... You're, you're thinking too hard. I am thinking Him hard. and McDonough are the best defenders the Rangers have.
1: Yeah, it should just be him. McDonough's
0: the clear number one. Yeah. Shea is the clear number two.
1: That's
0: it. And honestly, Brandon Smith is the clear number three. So, of course, when you put Shea and Smith together, that's why they've been the most dominant Ranger pairing. And it hasn't been close. You know what else I was weird? Because the- McDonough's not getting that same... McDonough's not playing with the same kind of guy.
1: No. So, here's, here's something weird. I have the numbers for the time of play in front of me for the defensive pairings. Or the defensive players in general. Shea gets the least at 19 minutes. And McDonough gets the most at about 26:41. About 26:41 exactly. exactly. Uh, Eric Carlson played 31 minutes. The third pairing for the Ottawa Senators only played 10 minutes.
0: Like, how are so, those? A lot of that had to do with the fact that, I mean, the Rangers seemingly were always on the penalty kill because of dumb penalties. Right, and Carlson's gonna. Carlson's basically gonna play all two minutes of a power play, as he should. Carlson's a monster. Um, he's a monster. He's a beast. He's one of the best two, best three defenders in the league. No question. It's not even. A um,
1: Seeing him this many times but, really gives me some good respect for him. Because, man, he's playing on a, like one leg. Man, like if this guy is healthy, I don't, I do not want to play against him ever.
0: Imagine if the Senators put a competent team around him.
1: No. <laughs> like this is this is a
0: fine this is a fine team, but imagine if Carlson was on say, I mean we're kind of seeing what a Carlson like player is on a team with dynamic forwards. I mean, PK Subban going to the Predators is like imagine Carlson had a team around him like Subban has around him in Nashville. You
1: may imagine, if and Carlson's now
0: of course Ranger. you know I, I'm not trying I'm not trying to discredit. Guys like Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis who are having fantastic postseasons in their own right. It's just Carlson and Subban are of the same ilk. And we're seeing what happens when a player like Subban gets talent around them. Just imagine if the Senators could ever figure it out and get some serious talent to put around Carlson. They're
1: wasting his prime years at this point in time. Let's go to a... So you want to talk
0: about wasting prime years, we've got a 37-year-old goaltender who's never going to win his Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that. We came close. Did we really waste? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah.
0: A player like Henry Glundquist deserves a Stanley Cup, and the Rangers might not ever get him one.
1: There's two players that deserve Stanley Cups right now. It's him, and the other one is a team I won't name just yet. And You know, you guys know who it is. Um, let's go to my new segment Mike called. Mike Trout? Yes, Mike Trout. <laughs> That's the one. It's Matt Harvey, actually. We'll get to that.
0: Um, (laughs) All right, hanging up on you, (laughs) and we're done.
1: (laughs) We're going to get to that one. Uh, There's no way we're not talking about that, by the way. You can't escape that. Uh, There's Uh. my new segment called Really. Here's some Alain Vignol quotes. The biggest, (laughs) on on game six, this is the biggest game of our season by far, and I will rely on our experience. We will be ready. Really, AV? (laughs) Really? You think this is the biggest game? Like, what a a non-quote. That is so, like, it, it makes me so furious when coaches say stuff like that. It, am, I, am I wrong to be mad when coaches say stuff like that?
0: I have no doubt that the players will be ready. I have all the doubt in the world that the coaching staff is ready.
1: <sighs> I, this team, man. I, all right, so here's the next quote. Uh, this is when he was talking about the, the players on the ice, like when Stall and Glass let the goal in for uh, the, the overtime goal. Oh no, the uh the angle. Here we go. Maybe the guys didn't know there was a goaltender coming out, but it was less than two minutes and Ottawa was down by a goal. Av told reporters that that once again they conceded the extra attacker, and then they were lost. Maybe the team didn't know. Whose fault is that, Av? It's your fault. Like these guys know that they're down a goal and they're gonna pull Anderson. Like uh, how do they not know that? They've been playing hockey their whole life. That's basic strategy, right? I'm not a. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a scientist to know that.
0: It. It almost when I heard that quote, it it read like A V was blaming the players for not coming to the bench for a change and that the wrong unit was out on the ice. Which I would say then A V needs to realize how much time's left in the game and the game situation and never deploy that unit on the ice in the first place.
1: I would let McDonough' A V
0: can't be
1: like McDonough, you're dying on this ice. Like I'm sorry. You're my guy. You're the captain.
0: It's I honestly, like, look, once on the ice, yes, the likes of Mark Stahl, Tanner Glass, so on and so forth, they did not perform. They did not keep the puck out of net. But at the same time, it is completely unacceptable that AV allowed for those five players to be on the ice at the same time. AV needs to know that he can't put those guys on the ice in a situation where you need to. Find puck possession down a man and get the puck out of the zone. And more so, skate the puck out of the zone so you're not risking an icing. Exactly. The guys he had on the ice were not prepared to skate a puck out of the zone down an offensive skater. Wasn't going to happen. By the so, way, we
1: missed an open am, net am ang- by like three inches. It's like seconds earlier, which makes me furious.
0: Am I ang- am I angry that Mark Saw and Tanner Glass allowed a game-tying goal to be scored? Of course. But I am more angry that AV put those players in that situation to allow a game-tying goal. It shouldn't have even been in the conversation. It shouldn't have even been a possibility because they shouldn't have even been on the ice. And that is where coaches can impact individual games. It is not, it like it is not a manager's fault if a reliever comes into a game and gives up a three-run homer, but it's the manager's fault if he brings in a reliever in the wrong matchup, or he left his starter in too long in the first place. Like, yeah, at some point in time, it's the player's responsibility. It is not the player's responsibility for being deployed on the ice when they were the wrong unit and everyone knew they were the wrong unit, including the Senators, who capitalized on the situation and deserve credit for that.
1: Exactly. All right, so here's here's what I said a week ago on this podcast. I said we would win our two at home, I said we'd probably lose the next game, and then we'd win the next two. I still feel that way. Am I wrong to still feel like we'll win this series? I know we're the better
0: team. Yeah. Yeah, I think you are.
1: Okay. I'm going to stay confident.
0: Um, at the same time, I will say that the Rangers should have won this series in five. Oh, it should have been over. Game two should have, game two should have been a win. Game five should have been a win. Those are games. Those are, those are catastrophic losses. And I'd be stunned if a hockey team can overcome two catastrophic losses in the same series, especially when they don't have home ice advantage.
1: I think we could do it. I, you know why? And here's why. That was a nice setup. Do you like that? That was expert hosting. The puck luck that the Ottawa Senators had against us in that game. I feel like we figured them out. I feel like it was over. I feel like we've already won. (laughs) Sorry. They got very lucky in my eyes and got some very fluky goals. I don't think that'll happen again. I think that also, here's another theory. We only lose in the afternoon. That's it. It's over. We last time we lost in the afternoon, we figured them out. We lost in the afternoon again. We're playing two night games. This team is better. Is the better team. Henry Lundqvist is the better goalie. We don't we do not have the better defensemen, but we have the better forwards. We have the better offense, and I, I still feel confident. And I still think we'll take it in seven. But I, I,
0: I... why, why do you, why do you feel that the range, the the puck luck will change? Like, you just think it's going to change because law of averages?
1: Yeah, law of averages. Like some of the, I rewatched. I, uh, I like to torture myself. So before this podcast, I rewatched the recap of all the goals in the game twice. And some of the pucks that went in were so slow and just like, so, like, easy, easy stops or like stuff that should never happen. Like things have to go perfect. For those things to happen. Our goals were pretty clean for the most part. So I just don't see where Ottawa can do that again. I just, I don't, I don't see it. I, I think we win game six at home uh, handedly, to be honest with you. I think we take care of business. And then game seven is, a, is always a
0: 50-50. See, I think puck luck comes from opportunity. And I think the Senators know how to capitalize on opportunity. So I, I don't necessarily prescribe to the same notion. Like, for example... Will Tom Pyatt score a goal like he did against Henrik Lundqvist on that soft deflection that tied the game up again? Probably not. But is Henrik Lundqvist equally as likely to make that out-of-the-crease sprawling save across Alex Burroughs again? No. Also probably not. No. So I think those two things even out in the long run. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to give – I don't think the Rangers have earned the benefit of the doubt for me to say, oh, the luck will simply change. I think as long as the Rangers are giving 20 plus minutes of ice time to a pairing that includes Mark Saul, I think the luck is going to be there for the Senators. And I think they're a team smart enough to know how to capitalize on that situation. Again, this isn't a team full of superstars, but this is a team full of fairly smart hockey players, Chris Neal notwithstanding. And guys like Derek Brassard and Matt Hoffman and Mark Stone, and Eric Carlson, they know how to capitalize on opportunities, and the Rangers are going to keep giving them opportunities because Mark Saul is going to keep playing significant ice time.
1: That's true. I I don't know. I'm going to keep my confidence. I'm going to keep my head up, my chin up. I know we're going to win Game Six. I just know it. I'm in. I'm in for Game Six.
0: Game, right. game Seven. to get Nervous. Fair enough. Let me let me. If the Rangers pull this series out in seven and they advance to the Eastern Conference Finals, do you fire Elaine Vigneault anyway? What do you want I, when October comes around next year and the puck is dropped on the regular season? Do you want Elaine Vigneault behind the bench? You know what my answer is, so I, you don't have to ask me. I know. I'm asking you.
1: I'm not. I'm not asking. Um, this is actually a really tough question for me, and I know it shouldn't be, because right now the fact. Right here's now, the thing.
0: Here's the thing. I always have to tell you before you go into your full explanation. Okay. The fact that it's tough means you should probably say no.
1: You just made my entire. You shouldn't problem. have to talk. My entire yeah,
0: you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to talk yourself into keeping the coach.
1: I shouldn't have to talk myself. Either you into... know
0: you keep the coach, either you know you keep the coach, or you know you have to move on. There's no gray area. Gray areas get you in trouble.
1: I guess I, and and maybe this is this is terrible thinking. This is a, a wrong logic. I would say, life has been good with A.B. for me as a Ranger fan. I've I've seen a lot of series that I I might not see otherwise, and that could just be because the, the players are, are incredible, and we have a nice GM who's getting a lot of different talented players and making a deep roster, and we have also this guy named Henrik Lundqvist who is an absolute legend in hockey. But but life's been good with AV. I've seen a conference final. I've seen a finals that still haunts me to this day that I think I still think we should have won. I've seen one of the most painful games of the Easter conference final ever, Game Seven versus the Lightning. So. I might not have ever had those chances, and I'm grateful to have them because of AV. But maybe if he goes away, I don't have those chances anymore. Now that that could be crazy. I stated before this. This that's terrible logic. Uh, and maybe if we got a more advanced thinking coach with a more sabermetric based coach, we would be we would be better. But I I think right now, if you'd ask me, I wouldn't want AV as the coach next year. If that's the answer you wanted, you got it because I, I don't think I could do it.
0: I would I would I would replace him. Do you Do you think? over the last four years. Something how about this? Do you think the Rangers would not have done everything they did the last four years under A V if John Tortorella was still the head coach?
1: So you're saying You think it replace
0: every A V year with keeping Tortorella. And is there something significantly different?
1: Yeah. I think that we have more injuries. (laughs) Um I think Tortorella uh plays the guys a little harder than A.B. does, uh, and maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. So who knows? But I think Tortorella would have worn out some. I think Gendarardi and and, and Mark Stahl, as bad as they are, would be skeletons at this point because of uh, of Tortorella. So I, I think that does. Make, yeah, but
0: you could, go on. You can make the case that they wouldn't be able to be on the ice, which means a different defender is on the ice.
1: You can make that case. It's hard. It's that's a really good question, Greg. Uh, but it, it is hard to, it's hard to look back that way and say it would be different. And the answer is maybe it might be the same. It might be better. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's... I
0: just I don't know. I don't know necessarily if Av, like his coaching flaws have been so exposed this entire season and especially this postseason, where it has me thinking. I think. Portarella's the system Porterello was playing when he got fired was archaic. It was, you know, throw bodies in front of pucks, play a defensive style of hockey, and the Rangers simply weren't scoring goals. But I I do wonder if part of the struggles the Rangers had simply had to do with the lack of offensive talent those teams had, because they were... More so offensively, talent challenged than any AV team was. By Um, far. At the same time, AV's teams are more defensively challenged than any Tortorella team was. But you know, maybe that's a that's just part of the two systems. Because hell, we saw Tortorella do fine with the Columbus Blue Jackets this year. And And did the Blue Jackets have a deep postseason run? No. No, but I think you and I have been saying all year, whoever wins the the Stanley Cup is going to come down to the Capitals-Penguins series.
1: It definitely is.
3: So
0: it's not like I can – I can't discredit Tortorella for falling out of the first round against the Penguins because the Rangers would have done the same thing.
1: But can you discredit that? Then I can ask the same question. Like last year when we got absolutely housed up by the Penguins in five games, could you blame A.V.? Like the Penguins were the best team last year. We can we can agree on that, right?
0: Yeah, I don't have a problem saying that, and I don't think I was blaming A.V. for the playoffs playoff year. Playoff I, we I don't
1: think either we were blaming A.V. I think we were more blaming Sather at the point in time. Uh, because well, we traded for Eric and we had Yandel and didn't trade him away, and that was kind of a theme then.
0: Yeah, I was I was more I was more perplexed by the management of the team, not so much the coaching of the team. Whereas this year, I'm impressed the job the management of the team did to get the players on the roster, and now I think the coaching flaws have come out in full force.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, I, I
0: this I, like this time last year we, we were shellacked by the Penguins. I think I may have asked the question, do the Rangers move on from Av? But I think my answer was unequivocally no. Whereas, whereas now, the Rangers could lift the Stanley Cup, and I'd still find reason to fire A.B.
1: Yeah, I mean he's made a lot of questionable decisions. It's I can't even argue with you. I you know I like to I like to defend Av. I'm 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 done defending Av. I really am. It's,
0: well, I I that's because the moves he's made and specifically games two and five are indefensible.
1: And mind-boggling. And I, it might be because I'm absolutely in love with Brady Shea, and he's probably a top three ranger for me right now. I, I love the dude, and I, I, I have really good hopes for him for the future. Just him not seeing the ice is, is, is indefensible. I know we've said it already. It just, it is, it's its mind The most
0: amazing parts about the mistakes are both mistakes are indefensible because both mistakes are the exact same. He did it twice.
1: And and the same result happened. Like the same result.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and I, he thought a different. He he honestly thought a different result was going to happen.
1: I sat. Must have. I sat in absolute shock after that game. You know, it, it got dark in my room. I didn't turn the light on. I just sat. I turned the TV off and just sat quiet for like an hour and a half. There's nothing. Yeah, I turned and, on. The, I turned on the Derby. Yeah, I
0: know. I turned on the Derby and got very loose with money.
1: Um, <laughs> we both. Are you saying we grieve in different ways, Greg?
0: Yeah, I grieve at throwing money directly out the window. <laughs> uh,
1: I was. There's nothing quite as painful as a playoff overtime loss when you blow a lead like that.
0: But we, there is Here's some... The thing, as soon as the Senators tied the game up, I had no doubt in my mind the Rangers were losing that game.
1: Yeah, me either. As soon as they None tied whatsoever. it up, I knew it was over. I knew it was over. Yep. Here's the good news. Edmonton... Where our our former backup Cam Talbot is playing. They got shellacked and lost and scored. They they the uh, the Oilers let up three goals in the last minute or three minutes of the game, and then they lost in overtime to the Ducks. They came out the night the night, two nights after and shellacked the Ducks seven to one. So uh, I'm hoping we do the same thing to the Senators and go to Game Seven. That's what I'm hoping happens. So we'll we'll see you then. I think. Uh, I think we're done talking Rangers for right now. We'll break away some nonsense at this point in time. Greg, any last thoughts on this Ranger team?
0: Uh, I will add, I expect the Rangers to win game six. And I just, I think game seven almost doesn't matter. Like, I'm I'm honestly at a point with this Ranger season where even if they advance out of this round, I definitely don't see any way this team is capable of beating the Penguins. I don't see a way this team is there's always a way to beat the Capitals because they're their own worst enemy, yep. but I also don't see a way the Capitals beat the Penguins down 3-2. Uh, and we'll know if they do it tonight, obviously, yep. as you're listening to this tomorrow. We are recording right um, before the game starts for some time. It's, uh, it's honestly, this season is what it is. You know, the Rangers should have won this series in five and they should be relaxing right, right now watching game six of the Capitals penguins series, knowing that they're either traveling to Pittsburgh to start the conference final shortly, or they get to watch these two teams beat the shit out of each other once more in a game seven. Instead they have to win twice. and you know, it's possible you don't have unlimited fuel. You don't have unlimited fuel in the playoffs.
1: You don't. And uh, I don't, I think our, our cup chances are very slim, (laughs) Uh, obviously. Uh, And uh, I'm not going to even talk about the Pittsburgh matchup because we have two games to win. So if that comes to it, uh, it'll be it'll be a good time. If not, thanks for listening to Blue Shirt's breakaway all season. We really appreciate you being here. Let's break away to some nonsense at this point. Uh there are some things I want to touch on. But first I'd like to ask you about your health. Greg, how is your hamstring? Uh better. Okay. Did you it is go- definitely better. Did you go to a doctor?
0: No, but I've been listening to the advice of doctors all weekend.
1: Uh aka your father? <laughs>
0: And mother. Okay. Um, oh, I'm there's sorry. Been a lot of, I forgot you double down. That's right. There's been a lot of elevated legs. There's been a lot of Motrin. There's been a lot of ice. There's been a lot of hot bath. Okay. Uh, there's been a lot of movements because.
1: Got stretch. Uh, keep the less I
0: move, the more it stiffens up, and the more it stiffens up, the more it's uncomfortable. Um, I will say, still, the most uncomfortable thing to do with the injury is drive. Is it really that bad? That bad has not changed.
1: Because you have to stretch your hamstring, pushing the pedal down—is what you're saying. That's
0: an, it's that's it the it's a combination of the, of the exact spot in the muscle where I hurt it is where my leg meets the seat. And then you add that pressure with having to then stretch my leg and maneuver the pedals. It's like a double whammy.
1: Okay. Yeah, that sounds awful. Uh, Hopefully you feel better in a it's, week or so and driving gets a little bit more suitable for you.
0: I would love it. I miss the days of being able to just zone out while driving. Now, I will say, there's no (laughs) way I'm going to get a speeding ticket or hit another car because I am super focused while driving now because it's just so uncomfortable to be in the car. I went back
1: and I re-listened to that podcast. Uh, It is a doozy. It it is actually hilarious. In the moment when we were recording it, I I, I was like, I I don't know if this is going to be good or, or good to air. But I went, when I as I was editing it I was I was laughing out loud. So sorry to laugh at your pain but it wasn't it wasn't pretty good. It was when
0: my my friends my friends go back and ask uh what I remember from that podcast. I don't remember anything I said on that podcast not because I had a lot to drink <laughs> but because I was in an in, unbelievable amount of pain.
1: It was incredible. Uh I commend you for doing your flu game and 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 recording there. It was very uh honorable of you to stay loyal here.
0: Yeah. I went. I went back to listen to it, and my opening monologue is just. <laughs> Tanger Glass was. Glass was fine <gasps> because I couldn't think of another word yeah. because my leg hurt too much.
1: Yeah, you're like my lexicon is zero at this point in time. Let me ask you a, a shoe question. How much would you pay for a shoe? Would you pay two hundred dollars? Uh, oh,
0: oh hell no. Okay. Is this a is this a BBB question? This is a
1: BBB question. <laughs> I, uh, as everyone knows, because the internet uh, blows things up, uh, Big Baller Brands has released their first Lonzo Ball shoe. He's never played an NBA game, and it is for four ninety five. I think this is a genius move, even though this guy is a total idiot. And he's, he's getting all the free marketing he needs uh, to sell this shoe, and I believe he will make his profit back. Now, Lonzo has to be a good NBA player for this to work at all. But for right now, uh, the price itself is paying for the marketing. Am I wrong in
0: saying that? Um. Yes and no. Okay. So, tell me why. if the goal was for him to get people talking about big baller brand, you're right. Oh. It's working, but it's not making people buy the shoe. So, okay. market. I think I saw I saw numbers today where they've sold three hundred pairs. That's, That's it? it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. They've they've like.
1: And those like, yes. like let's be honest people, 50 of those people are for jokes and 20, 250 of those are for shoe collectors.
0: Right? I'd I'd flip those numbers. I'd flip that number around. I think a lot more people a lot of rich people that went to Fire Festival are now buying DBB shoes as a joke. Oh,
1: Fire Festival. Um, That's another thing I'd like to touch on. Um, but maybe another time.
0: I I honestly you, you you are absolutely right in terms of a lot of people who wouldn't be talking about shoes. I
1: don't know.
3: Anything are now about talking
0: shoes. about shoes? Yeah,
1: I'm here talking um,
0: about BBB. At the same time, it's not working because I don't know a single person who's gonna buy them. They're really not that. I'm good personally looking, never either. gonna buy them. Yeah. Like, when it when it comes to talk is good for marketing if you're not trying to sell a product. If you're like, trying
1: like, if you're trying to sell a president, the, your 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 money. Like, if you're trying to become president, yeah. It
0: word works. of. Word of mouth is great if I don't have to open my wallet. But once you open my wallet, I can talk about it as much as I want. It's not going to convince you to spend $500 on a pair of shoes.
1: That's actually a great point. It's free to vote, but it's not free to get Lonzo's shoes. So that, actually, yeah, that's, it, <laughs> you've done it again. You've made an incredible point that changed my mind on things. So yeah, I'm really good at
0: that. Talk, talk is cheap, but what talk <laughs> is valuable in so, doing is getting people to talk about it. It's just it's not going to get them to buy something like, for example, what's another thing that, you know, a lot of people talk about, but didn't end up buying the
1: Slap Chop. I got I you get... on that one.
0: <laughs> or, or Trump <laughs> University.
1: Oh, uh, The shots never stop. Here.
0: Trump Trump States.
1: Uh, yeah, there's a lot of that. We can do a lot of Trump things there. But I think Slap Chop is a good example. You're going to love my nuts. Everyone talked about Slap Chop. It was a living meme before memes were a thing, pretty much. And uh, I don't know anyone who has a Slap Chop, but it was 1995. But everyone knows that Slap Chop exists, right? Everyone knows what a Slap Chop is. But in before I get a ton of Twitter messages that are like, I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Ryan, I have no idea what you're talking about. Are you about. serious? I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't
1: know what a Slap Chop is?
0: No. <laughs> I was six in 1995.
1: A Slap Chop is like five years ago. You don't ago. know what I
0: talked about? You want, to, you want to know what? You just said 1995.
1: No, I didn't. I said, uh, no. It, it, you did. No, I, I did not. If I did, I'll go back to the tape. A slap chop is like a couple years old. It was like that guy who was infomercial, kind of like Billy Mays. It was that guy that was like once in jail. He like chops a bunch of nuts. And he's like, you're going to love my nuts. You don't know about this?
0: No idea what oh my, you're talking about oh at God. all. Uh,
1: okay. All right, a little embarrassing. So Trump University, that's what I meant. <laughs> Let's do that. All right, I'm going to send you a Slap drop. Uh, I'll, I'm going to post that to you on Twitter, just so you know. So you, You'll know exactly what it is as soon as I do it. Enough with that. Sure, whatever I, you say, bud. Whatever I say. I will never buy those shoes. Uh, I don't really buy any of those shoes. I, I think this is good marketing. We'll see what happens. I, I hope the guy loses all his money. That's it. And I, I feel bad. My heart, my break,
0: heart, breaks, my heart breaks for Alonso. Lonzo Ball. Yeah,
1: that's where I was going.
0: Yeah. He yeah. has, I mean, I look, I don't know a lot of people's personal lives. But it's safe to say your dad may have had a more positive influence on you as a person than Levar Ball has on Lonzo. That's
1: going really far. <laughs> like let's not say I think we your
0: dad's your dad's lack of By leaving, of he did more for Ability me. Of, Right. Hmm. Your dad not being around was more useful than Levar Ball being around.
1: That's actually really true. Like my dad leaving a group now. Welcome to psychology with Blue Shirts Breakaway. My dad leaving did really a lot of good for me, and it had a lot of positive effects on me. Whereas this guy's just controlling his kid's life and be like, "You're gonna wear these shoes on the on the court if you like them or not." Right? That's it.
0: Yeah, Lonzo Ball should really study up on what like parental emancipation is and really get there.
1: All right, let's do this. It's the end of the podcast. We've come this far. The Dark Knight, Matt Harvey, suspended by the Mets. The Dark
0: Knight, the Dark Knight is something else completely now. You know that, right?
1: Is it? Uh, to, inform me.
0: Yeah, the Dark, the Dark Knight is that huge, massive dildo, and Kevin Poirier's <laughs> walking.
1: So, for people who don't know, can you explain the dildo story?
0: The Mets had a big, uh, big win against the Marlins a couple nights ago, and they have this thing where the last couple years where the Rangers have the Broadway hat, the Rangers have had the championship belt. Uh, I mean, the Mets have had the championship belt. Which, by the the way, is kind of cool. It's kind of cooler. But the Mets now don't appreciate that other teams have adopted it, so they've moved on to a crown. The player of the night now gets a crown. Hmm. Um, I like that. And TJ Rivera, on this specific night, earned the crown, and the Mets' social media Twitter person took a picture and posted it to Twitter, and what they didn't realize is Rivera is standing in front of Kevin Pokey's locker, and there's just this big <laughs> leaning to the left dildo hey. chilling in his locker no. and it it became an internet story
1: now did we find did we get to the bottom of the dildo of why it was there
0: we We still do we still have no idea.
1: Oh, dildo Gate is real. I'm in on dildo Gate now. i I Dild- didn't know this full full story
0: so then obviously, when the Matt Harvey suspension comes out. I think everybody had the exact same reaction thinking Matt Harvey was the guy behind the dildo. Right.
1: I mean, that makes that sense. Is not the, but, but that's not the case. Here's,
0: here's where I stood. Here's where I stood when um, the Harvey suspension came out. My initial reaction was, fuck that guy. Like it was the final straw. <laughs> Tired of him. Yeah. My second reaction, my second reaction was, I hope Matt Harvey isn't funny enough to put a dildo in a teammate's locker
1: you don't want to like him. My
0: third reaction was relief that Matt Harvey isn't funny enough to put a dildo in a teammate's locker. And my fourth reaction was, no, seriously, fuck that guy. Can we just trade him for cash at this point?
1: You had a good point earlier today to me of where would be the funnest place to trade Matt Harvey. Uh, and it has
0: to be somewhere. It has to be the perfect mix of Harvey's going to be on a bad team eventually in a hitter's ballpark that does not have fun nightlife. So, the three places that came to mind off the bat, Oakland,
1: it, Colorado, Oakland is gentrifying, Colorado is legal weed, and Tampa Bay is a is a craft show. So the, the answer Matt really Harvey, is Matt Harvey,
0: Matt Harvey seems like Matt Harvey seems like the rich boy prep bitch that thinks marijuana is for losers. Go. It's a, it's below him. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would have a – he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would be fun to get high with. Would it Ooh, be fun not, to do a line of coke with? Maybe. I, well, but he also Matt seems like an actor. allegedly. Harvey's so. Oh yeah. I mean, look, nose don't just start bleeding out of nowhere in the middle of games. That's all I'm saying.
1: Has that happened? Um,
0: really? Allegedly? Yeah. There, yeah, there was a game in uh, – I think it was 2013 that out of nowhere, Harvey is literally just standing on the mound with his nose bleeding. Oh, a little
1: bit of nose bleeding. Yeah, it happens to everyone. Uh, alright. So what happens with Harvey now? Do you think the team actually shops him at any point in time? Have they sh- they I know they've secretly yes. shopped him in the past, right?
0: Uh no. I think they've taken calls on Harvey and listened and never once had a serious thought about trading him. I I think by April of twenty eighteen, Matt Harvey is not a New York Met.
1: I've had the theory I just, Especially
0: bro. if he files if he files a grievance and challenges this suspension. I I'd, I'd go so far to say that by July 31st of this year, regardless of what the Mets are doing, it would be hard to believe Matt Harvey making it past the deadline.
1: Didn't he file the grievance already? I believe he did.
0: Uh, the, report, the report is, the last report I saw is he's planning to file it, but he hasn't filed it yet.
1: That's like a big F you to the team. Even after he came out and said the apology that was like, I need to be better for this team, obviously admitted his mistake and was like, actually, I'm going to file this grievance.
0: He made that apology in 2015. Oh, really? That's when he didn't show up. That 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 quote is from when he didn't show up to a (gasps) mandatory team practice before the playoffs in 2015. Oh
1: my god, I cannot wait for him to
0: be. You're you're quoting you're quoting him from no showing an important Met practice before a playoff series, where he apologized to the team and said he would do better.
1: That's
0: now the story is Harvey went out for a round of golf Saturday morning. Came back from golf, decided he had a headache. Texted the team saying he has a headache, and didn't come to the ballpark. Do you understand how much strain and work it takes for a guy to just sit in a fucking dugout for three hours?
1: And, and get all Matt and Harvey had to do,
0: money. knowing knowing that he was starting on Sunday. He unless he's in the fucking hospital with this headache, all he has to do. He's not going to be asked to pinch run. He's not going to be asked to pinch hit. He's going to be able to leave in the seventh inning because the Mets let the next day's starters leave early. All he had to do was show up to the game. He just had to show up to the game on time. He had to get a light workout in, and he had to watch seven innings of baseball. That's it? That's that's it? it. That's all he had to do, and he didn't want to do it. You know why he didn't want to do it? Probably because he had one too many beers on the fucking golf course. And didn't drink enough water and was fucking hungover at three o'clock in the afternoon. I've done it. I've had a terrible fucking headache after but a I have, round of golf in the morning. When I've news for you're not had... a
1: professional athlete. You can do that, and you go to I work know, still. But by like, the way. you still go and to you work. You know
0: what? You know what I do when I. You know what I do when I have terrible headaches after a round of golf early in the morning at three o'clock in the afternoon. Tell me. Greg. I sit down and watch the fucking Met game. That's all I do, and that's all Matt Harvey had to do.
1: That's it. No, you're
0: right. Yeah, I, I'd say. I'd say Matt fans are at a point with Matt Harvey where we're just sick and tired of his shit. He's no longer the guy that you could justify him being a bit of a diva because he's an incredibly talented pitcher. He has not been an incredibly talented pitcher since game five of 2015 world series.
3: It's true.
0: Just hasn't be it, be it injury or whatever. Flat out, Matt Harvey just has not been a good pitcher for the last, you know, 20 starts of his professional career. Fair. Hasn't been good. We'll and, see, yeah, uh, we'll yeah, yeah I'd point say point.
1: Oh, go on, go
0: I'd, uh, I I asked this question to a group of friends of ours. Like, what is a realistic package the Mets could get for Matt Harvey? And the one that came to mind was the package the Rays got for Matt Moore. Package, for is, Matt Moore uh, because Matt, Matt Moore, got, he Matt had a ton Ray. of injuries. He wasn't exactly pitching – extremely well when he got traded. No. And uh Ray's got Matt Duffy and two prospects.
1: Matt Duffy's a good player.
0: If I'm the Mets Yeah, if I'm the Mets, if I could find a package like that, I'm not saying no. I, I but you know what you know honestly, as soon as I use that package as an example, I'm not hundred percent sure the Mets could get that same return. Matt Moore's under contract for longer than Matt Harvey is. Yeah he is. Matt Harvey's got Scott Boars as an agent.
1: And Matt and Matt Moore actually is actually pretty affordable. Like a really affordable picture. So
0: I mean, to be fair, Harvey is going to be affordable for the rest of this year and all of next year. Mm-hmm. Like, in comparison to what starting what he could make on the open market, Matt Harvey is going to be a bargain for the next 18 months. But I think whatever team is trading for him has to know, well, you know, I mean, if Harvey continues down this road, there's no guarantee that Harvey's going to get to choose where he's going to go.
1: No, I don't think he gets if, to Let me choose- put it this
0: way. If you're if you're the Yankees, do you really want any part this of Matt Harvey right now? Literally,
1: my next point. I've had this, we both. I think the, actually the entire internet has had this theory for a long time where Matt Harvey and Bryce Harper were going to be Yankees, right? Bryce Harper, lock yep. it up, lock it up, man. Like, get ready, bring out the cash. He's going to be a Yankee. I'm still, I still feel that way. If I'm a Yankee right now, and I was about to talk about the Yankees, they're twenty and nine. I got a young core. I need pitching, but I don't want Matt Harvey. Like this team is is it has rebuilt on the fly. We have a we have a franchise catcher. We have a franchise outfield. <laughs> like we have Aaron Judge, the guy's a monster, he's a cyborg. We're ready to play. Uh
0: and Matt way, Harvey will also be 30. Exactly. In the 2018 season or 20 He's a free agent after 2018. So he's the 2019 season is the first season you're getting Harvey and he's going to be 30.
1: And and you're going to have to sign You really at least want five years, to pay
0: right? He's, he's already had threat, he's already had thoracic outlet syndrome. He's already had Tommy John surgery. He's not pitching well right now and he has all this shit happening off the field. If you're the Yankees and you have this young core and young pitchers down the pipe and more pitchers coming, do you really want to spend north of $85 million on a five year contract with Matt Harvey?
1: No. No, the answer is no. I wouldn't. I, would to I wouldn't.
0: If I'm the Mets, I if wouldn't. I'm the Mets, I'm breathing a sigh of relief because Harvey doing all this shit is going to make it twenty times easier for them to spend their money on Jacob Degrom, Noah Syndergaard, and Michael Conforto.
1: I oh, Michael Conforto, what a guy! I'm I'm very happy he's getting the playing time he deserves. You know, I actually went to even go trade you for Matt Harvey in a long time nerd league we're in. And I started looking into it, and I was like, wait, I was like, I don't want this guy. Like, <laughs> the more I looked, yeah, at Yeah,
0: I thought I, I was – and the crazy thing is, the I mean, this is a long-time keeper league. So think of it as actual MLB trade. I think I was getting what? Jake Odorizzi and a hitter?
1: Yeah, you were getting Jake, and I was giving Jake Odorizzi you... and Matt Kemp and something else maybe and like
0: – No, I wasn't even – no, I wasn't getting – we decided to dump it down from Kemp. Oh. I couldn't even get Kemp.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> it was,
0: <laughs> it, was Odor, it was Odorizzi and one of your lesser outfielders. Yeah. For Harvey and two of my pieces, like yeah. I was, it was gonna be I was gonna get two and give you three, because that's how far the Harvey stock fell. And then you know you did the smart thing of actually looking in the Harvey's number and realized Jesus Christ it sucks. It's really not good.
1: Um, it's really not. Yeah,
0: no, I I think it's look, it's weird because you know the Mets are once again everybody died, so
1: hey, you're you stuck know in your our division. fifth starter. You're stuck in your division.
0: Somehow, <laughs> you know who our fifth. I'll, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you can name who the Mets' fifth starter is right now.
1: Okay, I can't. A hundred dollars, no shit. <laughs> I can't. It, it, it's the guy. That's, it's the guy that started yesterday, isn't it, for Matt Harvey?
0: No, we already designated him for a time, he's gone. Oh
1: my god. <laughs> um, is it Oliver? hundred bucks, is no it, shit. I was gonna say Oliver Perez, but I know he's in the Nationals, right? Um, I I really don't know. Tell me.
0: Tommy Malone.
1: Are you serious?
0: We picked him up off waivers yesterday. He's now our first starter.
1: Oh my God, that's nuts! How uh, Bartolo's coming back? He's coming back. Congratulations, Bartolo! Congratulations.
0: I, you, I, and somehow the Braves are going to also trade us Kelly Johnson in that deal. I don't know.
1: <laughs> it's guaranteed to happen. Greg, let's wrap this bad boy up. We've hit we've hit our hour mark at this point in time. It's been a pleasure this season. Listen, anything that happens next time you hear from both of us, unless we do a post game reaction, that is for our next full episode next Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday morning. Something will, will either be in the Easter Conference Finals or it'll all be over. We'll be in off-season mode. And we will uh, have some nonsense for you of a cor- a course across this off-season because it'll be very eventful, especially with the Vegas uh, expansion coming up and a lot of different Ranger moves to come. Uh, so we, that stay tuned for that with us. And I appreciate it for everyone listening if we do end up uh, not recording another time where there's going to be a Ranger game reaction. Now, if we are... And I will,
0: I will say for sure that I am seeing Guardians of the Galaxy is Mo Movie Monday this week, so we can talk about that too.
1: I will go make sure I see it this week. Um, I'm surprised I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I know you'll be sleeping tomorrow night, uh, but if if you are up for game six, maybe we can do a 15-minute quick post-game reaction. But if not, we'll figure something out and maybe do something for Thursday if the Rangers win. Because
0: you'll be awake. I'd put my odds for being awake after the Rangers game tomorrow at about 12%. I
1: like my odds. I'll play it. You'd play that in Vegas, right? I mean. One.
0: Yeah, I play everything in Vegas. You shouldn't use me as a barometer. No,
1: I know that's why I asked you because I, I think that improves my chances of you being on. Um, so we'll do that. Uh, if not, we'll, Thursday you're definitely in, right? For that one, if
0: uh, if necessary. If
1: if game seven, if game six, guys, if we lose game six, expect to hear from us next week. It'll be really sad. Like, <laughs> give us some time. We'll be recouping. Uh, but if game seven does happen, we will. Uh, you'll be you'll be kickballing. Oh, will you be Uh
0: I'm going as emotional support this week. There's no way I'm gonna test my leg.
1: Totally fine. I agree. With I saw way. what
0: happened. I saw what happened to Cespedes after waiting a week. I don't want to go through that.
1: All right, we'll do that on Thursday, uh, if that if, if that is necessary. Thank you again to everyone who has supported us this year. Uh, I sound like we're saying goodbye forever. We're not going away at all. So, um, Greg, any last thoughts other than follow us on Twitter at Bluefish Break?
0: Um, Cheers is fantastic. I've been just crushing Cheers. What
1: a great show. Cheers reminds me of Scrubs. Is that weird?
0: Uh, Yeah, Yeah, it is.
1: Okay, cool. And that's the show. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. -bye.
2: This is the story of The Wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.